Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Spencer Locker. Hey, hey, Spence. Hey. How are we doing? All right. I'm good, mate. I'm good. good. Are you? Yeah, yeah. All good. Good. It's been some time, me and yourself. It is. It, it, it feels like ages. Me and Dave did. Me and Dave was back in the Hubcast room uh, about a week ago, but prior to that, it's been probably about a month for me and you, primarily because we've been doing more video work recently than Hubcast work. And we've been doing a lot of off-site delivery. Yeah. A lot all, all around the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> so... um opportunity for us to come in and, uh, and and pick a topic today for this hubcast which we've been working on recently as a little bit of an extension to our work when we talk about challenge and threat state mindsets yeah so for anybody listening who uh, follows t2 and or has been involved in t2 workshops or has followed the hubcast and our videos you'll know that um, we talk a lot about this challenge and threat state mindset theory, which is the difference uh, it, it, from a mindset perspective of being focused on what you control and what you want to achieve, which is the challenge state, versus overly focusing on what you want to avoid and the consequence of what may happen, and usually on the things, therefore, that you can't control, which is yeah. a threat state. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think um, anybody who's had anything to do with us has, has been uh, must be familiar with this. And I think that it's a really simple concept for people who are just coming into this sort of the process, this, well, who am I, uh, what, what are my unconscious motivators, things like that. I think, um, I think it's a fascinating, simple access, easy access to, well, why do we do what we do? How do we see what we see? This challenge or threat state, and and we can move between the two depending on how self aware we are. Well, you know, any human being, if if you look at the definitions that I laid out right at the start of this, just then, um, any one of us can be in a challenge or a threat state multiple times within the same day. Yeah, um, and, and what I was sorry to interrupt, Martin, but one of one of the things I really think that we do well is when we start talking about putting others into a challenge or threat state, how we communicate with our people. Fascinating. Well, that's a good point because, you know, like you say, we can be in a challenge or a threat state ourselves, but the way we behave, the way we act, the way we respond can then trigger others to yeah. being in a, around us to be in a challenge or a threat state. So it, it, we've had some real success discussing challenge and threat state mindsets. And I think every human being on the planet can really resonate with when they feel more in a threat state than a challenge state. Yeah. They can actually, they can actually resonate with the isolated events and incidents that put them in a threat state. They start thinking of people and situations, yeah. whether it's in the workplace or your personal life, where you go, yeah, that puts me in a threat state. Mm. That causes me to overly focus on the consequence of what may happen, or on the things that I can't control, rather than me being ultra-focused on what I want to achieve and what I do control. So I think it's a really easy analogy for people to grasp and to resonate within their world, because this is the big thing. Every human being, Spence, will be triggered into a challenge or a threat state for different reasons, because we're all driven by different motivations and different personality types. So um, what might trigger you into a threat state 
doesn't affect me. So I, you're, you're telling me a story about what winds you up mm. or what frustrates you. And I'm yeah. thinking, why? what's wrong with you? Why does that piss you off? Because different, we're motivated by different things. Mm. So, so what I want to talk about today, Spence, coming back to this podcast is, you know, what when we talk about challenge and threat state, we give some really good examples to our customers and to people at conferences and events around how how you can shift into a challenge state mindset. And we always talk about, it's about being in control, so focusing on the things you control, bringing things back to the present, and it's about being absolutely crystal clear on what you want to achieve, not avoid. So we talk about healthy levels of stress. We talk about wrestling back control. We talk about the ABC technique. Um, and what we find is that's helpful from a from a mindset perspective. But then people say, well, that's all well and good, Martin. But if I get myself in a challenge state and I still can't deliver the outcome I want, I can very quickly go back into a threat state. And it's a valid comment. Yes. So there's an extra added layer to this in terms of it's all right thinking positively and being in a challenge state mindset, but you've got to have the skills and abilities to pull off whatever it is you are trying to do. Does that make sense? Yes, certainly. So skills and abilities do come into it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to, if, if, if you're up for it, Spence, I want to table a theory, quite a, quite a famous theory, um, which was originated, I think in the 1980s, um, I think it might be. I think it was the 1980s by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. I think I've nailed that. Well done. <laughs> a little golfing clap for you there. I think I think he was Russian. Mihai Csik- Hungarian. Hungarian, yeah. right? Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, and um, it was a piece of work he did on the state of flow. And the state of flow is a particular type of state that we get ourselves in when both. Let me just explain it. There's two axes to the flow state theory, which are when the challenge of the situation is high, so when you're in a situation or carrying out activities or tasks where the challenge is relatively high, the pressure and the challenge of the situation, but the skill set and abilities of the individual are also high, so they match them in equal abundance, then you will reach at the top right-hand corner of the grid the state of flow. And the state of flow, Spence, before we go into any of this, it's described by people as being in the zone. Yeah. Like sportsmen and women, for example. Entertainers. Entertainers, public speakers, musicians. Mm. You know, when you just, it's either like time stands still or five hours can pass in a heartbeat because you have been completely immersed and engaged in what you are doing because the challenge is high, but your skill set and experience is also high. And therefore, we can operate at our peak in almost like an unconscious state of what we call flow. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, very much so, yeah. I think think your average person – I mean, I know we talk about – we talk about entertainers and sports people, as, as you just alluded to. Um, but for, for your average guy on the street or the average person on the street, you start thinking about driving when you're actually driving. When you start learning to drive, when you start taking those skills on, everything that challenge is, is difficult. But you get to a point where 
you're actually automatically doing it. You're dropping a gear, you're indicating, well, maybe not indicating to some people that I see, but you know what I mean? It's like an unconscious. Yeah, and that's because, so in your analogy there, that's because when you first start driving, the challenge is great and mm. your skill set is low. Yeah. So you actually, you're not in a state <clears throat> of flow, you're in a state of anxiety. Yeah. Um, because the skill level and the abilities of you wanting to drive does not match the challenge of being out there on the roads, yeah. right? But fast forward 10 years, after developing that skill set for a number of years, mm. you form habitual patterns of behavior around it. So then when you drive to work in the morning, now you're in a state of flow, which is almost like unconscious. How yeah. did I get here? Yeah. Because your skill set and abilities mm. now match the level of challenge. And it's not as if you're not paying attention. It's just because you're in the flow. I mean, as you said, you, you mentioned anxiety. Uh, you, you start learning, you start learning, you go through that anxious period where nothing seems to work or, or you, everything seems to be a focused decision. And then you go through that next sort of stage, which we call arousal. Yeah, we? we'll we'll come to that in a second, but I just wanna I just wanna give the listeners another example of what we're meaning by state of flow and yeah. the challenge uh is is of a high um or in correlation with the skill set of the person. So there's quite a famous sports story of this, which is uh, it's Michael Jordan in basketball. Mm. And I can't remember what year it was or what final it was, but it was it was an NBA game. Uh, Michael Jordan's at his peak in his career. Um, they're in the final quarter, and I think the team are down something but like nine points. There's three and a half minutes left of the game when the coach calls a timeout. I think it was the Chicago Bulls coach to call, calls a timeout. So, so Jordan and his team come to the sideline, and remember, there's three and a half minutes left. You're nine points down, which in basketball can be quite a lot, right? It, it, it can be quite insurmountable in just three and a half minutes. And um, anyway, they have this they have this team talk. Michael Jordan takes over and gives this a you know this rousing sort of rally. Um, ultra-focused, et cetera. Now, as we all know, Michael Jordan's abilities as a basketball player were through the roof. Mm. So at this present time, you think about this scenario, three and a half minutes remaining, nine points down. The the challenge is great. In fact, the challenge is like almost insurmountable. It's a very, very high-pressurized challenging situation. Everybody else on that team have got skills, but Michael Jordan's skills and abilities are almost equal to the challenge, Right. So what happens is the timeout finishes and the players go back out. And in this madness of a three and a half minutes, Michael Jordan scores something like four or five three-pointers in the last three and a half minutes of the game to win the game. And when he comes off after the, the pit, when he comes off after the game, he gets interviewed and he cannot describe what's happened. He can't describe what's happened. He, he can't describe where he scored from you know all but but all he can say is i was in the zone mm. it it happened in a heartbeat you know he's been involved in the play continuously for three and a half minutes and scored four or five three pointers you know to win the game but he can't describe it because he was in that state of flow it's where the challenge is high and the intensity is high the pressure is on the the you know the fight or flight the cortisol's flowing but your skills ability is at that time matching it yeah, and you're just in the zone. And for anybody who's played sport, you will know a particular game back in time or a particular time where you can just go, that was me, that game, that half an hour, that 10 minutes, that was me yeah. in my flow, in my state of flow. And, and that resonates, Spence, in the workplace from when you're giving that presentation at the end of the week in front of the board. Mm. 
and you've been absolutely bricking it all week, but that half an hour's presentation feels like five minutes and you come out of there and you can't quite recall exactly what's happened, but it felt good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know you've nailed it. You've just nailed it. Or an interview that you've been for that you've been worried about. So when human beings enter the state of flow, it's where the challenge is high, the pressure is on, but the skills and abilities are of a, of a nature where it can match it and therefore you can perform at your peak. But it's unsustainable to be there all the time, Spence. In everyday life, we can't always have situations where the challenge is high mm. and my skill sets match it, right? Sometimes we we face challenges we're not skilled to yeah. face. And that's where we get the anxiety states and the worry states. Yeah. Sometimes we are overskilled and we have no challenge in our environment. Yeah, yeah. And that's an interesting concept because that's it a is. different challenge, right? Yeah. So so let me ask you this, Spence. When you look at the the grid of, of me high check, sent me highs, state of flow theory, if the challenge is high and the skills are low, which creates anxiety and worry, what happens when the skills and experiences of a high degree and the challenge is low? Well, that's when you start getting boredom. Yeah. and uh, and uh, apathy i mean don't get me wrong it's it's not a binary thing there's 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 different different states and and i suppose if you're self aware enough to recognize this then this gives you a little bit more bandwidth because again it might be a case of you can't be in flow all the time but you can't also be in boredom and apathy all the time well what's the most dangerous let's just debate that because for me, it's like, and and if you go onto the hub, there's a, there's a really nice visual of this where we actually put me high, check sent me highs, flow theory uh, diagram up where actually, you know, you've got your two scales and you can see where the state of flow is versus the anxiety and worry boxes versus boredom and apathy, et cetera. But um, for me, it's like, I mean, we were talking recently to um, a couple of organizations from the airline industry, from the rail industry, and from the offshore wind turbine industries. Yeah. Now, in all three of those industries, safety is of paramount importance. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And when I was talking about this theory to them, I, I, I drew this grid, and we talked about getting our people in a state of flow where the challenge is recognized, but your skills are, 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 are in, uh, uh, match them equally. That's where the, the least amount of safety breaches take place. Um, and either side of that, as well. However, what I said to them is, where do you think the most safety uh, breaches happen, where the most mistakes are made in your industries? Is it when people are in a state of anxiety and worry because the challenge is great and the skills don't match? Or is it when, you are, when you're suffering from boredom or apathy because you're overly skilled, but the challenge of the environment is low? Where do you think the answer was in that? Well, I would say the latter, to be honest with you. Um, having worked in the engineering field myself, um, I've seen firsthand people just not acknowledging the the gravity of the situation. It might not have been a high, it might not have been a high challenge thing, and it may not have required high skills. But silly little things happen, don't they? And exactly right. Now you're absolutely right. Most safety breaches in the airline, rail, and offshore wind turbine industries happen when their employees are in a state of boredom or apathy. Yeah. When they are overly skilled and experienced, but the, the challenge in the situation is low, so complacency sets in. At least when you're in anxiety or worry, you're, you've got that fight or flight running through your body. You've got that, even though it's counterproductive and it's starting to inhibit you for different reasons, mm. at least you're still sort of 
switched on to danger. Yeah. You, you're sort of overly switched on to danger, if yeah. I'm honest, which is the problem. But at least you have that. Whereas boredom and apathy, so, so most of their safety incidents in the last 24 months were not down to being 200 feet high in the air, strapped to a wind turbine, carrying out maintenance, because that's when people are in the state of flow, arousal, or at least a high degree of anxiety, right? Most of their safety breaches was back in the in the dockyard or around the, you know, around the craneage when somebody walks under a bloody 10-ton load chatting to their friend who because the complacency set in. Mm-hmm. Or when someone's dropped a spanner down and reached down into a machine as, as an instinct and got an electric shock. Yeah. So, you know, it's an interesting one. I think sometimes performance suffers more from boredom and apathy when we've got overly skilled people in complacent situations where there's no challenge yeah. and not vice versa. Mm. I'd agree with you there. I'd definitely agree with you there. So, so <clears throat> being in a state of flow is important, Spence, but we can't be there all the time. No. There's two two states either side of the state of flow. So let's just talk about them on, on this podcast because we haven't got time to talk about them all. But So what happens then if, if um, the challenge is really high, the challenge is still really high, but your skill set is of a sort of mediocre level. So what I'm saying about that is we're, we're encountering a challenging situation. We have some skills, we carry some experience, but we still feel slightly out our depth. What does that constitute? Well, um, with the flow state theory chart, yeah. that sort of lands in, I would say, arousal. A state of arousal. Yeah. So you're not quite in the flow state. Mm. You know, you are recognizing the challenge of the of the task at hand is is high. You have a degree of confidence given you have some skills and you think you know what you're doing, mm. but it still it heightens that level of awareness to arousal where you're unsure a little, you're a little unsure. It's pushing you, it's stretching your comfort zone just that little bit. Yeah. Now, sometimes people um I think catastrophize this state of mind. Mm. And do you know what people catastrophize this set, set, state of mind? People who are perfectionists. Yeah. yeah people I who would... overly worry about not being fully in control or being able to deliver a perfectionist job. Mm. When actually, for me, and I'm going to hand it over to you now, Spence, because I think you, you know you 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 probably have some first-hand experience of this. Yeah. I think the arousal zone where the challenge is high and it's slightly outweighing your capabilities at the present is the perfect incubator for growth. Yes, I would definitely agree with you there. Uh, one of the things I do like about this chart, um, that uh, the, the flow state theory chart, is the fact that it's not binary. It's not a plotted point where you hit this anxiety, uh, this arousal. Sorry, um, because you've got like a like a, a broad area. I think you're absolutely right in the sense that once you've got these skills, um, if you've got, let's say, for the sake of argument, you've got the skills and you know you've got the skills to a certain degree, that's going to push you in that area slightly towards the flow area. So you can get, you can, with more practice, more experience, then you're closer to the flow area. However, if you perceive that your skills aren't quite there, then that's going to keep you to the left-hand side a little bit towards that anxiety bit. Yeah, like, and again, this 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 absolutely channels into challenge and threat state, doesn't it? You know, yeah. perceive, you used an interesting word there. 
perceived. Yes. So so this is another thing that you have to put into people's psychology, mm. right? There'll be people out there who perceive that their skill levels are weaker than what they are. Yeah, yeah. And then there's people out there who perceive their skill level is greater than what it is, <laughs> right? Now, um and also for the other for the other axes on challenge, mm. some people perceive the challenge of the situation as greater than what it is. Yes. Some people perceive the challenge of the situation as not as great as what it is. So perception is an interesting one. It mm. really, really is. And therefore, like you say, it can be quite in you know specific to the individual. But what I was meaning there about the arousal state is depending on how you perceive things. Some people perceive it as an uncomfortable bad thing. They don't want to be there because because oh, I'm feeling I'm I've not. Let me give you an example of this. Right, working in a hospital. My wife works in a hospital on on midwifery in midwifery, and um, as a as a midwifery assistant, she's never traditionally been allowed to take bloods, do mm. blood work. So. Um, She's observed blood's been taken quite a lot by the senior midwives and, and nurses, right? Yeah. So, um, however, recently they've she's gone into a role where she's starting to train how to take bloods as part of her job. So when she first started training, but she was watching other people, these nurses and these uh, senior midwives who'd been taking blood for years were doing so in the complete control stroke flow zone, right? They were like, we've done it a million times. My skill set is equal to the challenge of putting a needle in somebody's arm and taking blood. I'm calm. I can do this, right? Now, my wife, when she first comes to do it, she's completely in the anxiety stroke arousal zone because she's going, I've never done this before. The stakes are high. The challenge is high because I'm about to do this live on a human being. I've got a knowledge. I know how to do it. I've seen it done. I've trained to do it. But I'm nervous. Does that make sense? I'm nervous because of my, my state of arousal is high. Now, if you were somebody who catastrophized that through perception, you'd be shaking. You wouldn't be able to do the job properly, and then you'd go backwards, mm. right? Whereas if you can sit in that arousal box and recognize that, listen, I'm nervous because this is a challenge to me because it's the first time I'm doing it solo under observation. But the more times I do this, the more I will my, my skill set will improve and I will move over into that flow box by so it's eventually I'm able to do it alone. That's the perfect zone for growth. Pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, which allows to create new neural pathways in the brain that now says, I can do this on autopilot. Yeah. And I think um, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's um, a lot to do with our unconscious motivators. Yeah. Um, but um, when I was um, looking at this this flow state theory, um, I came across something called an autotelic personality. Mm. So when we start looking at our unconscious motivators, I think, yeah, I think to to be honest with you, with the autotelic personality, we're starting to look at people who look at most things as a challenge state. Like, if I may mention, so yourself. Just, yeah, so just describe autotelic personality. Right, so when we start talking about autotelic personality, it's one of these people who seem to access the flow state area more than others easily. Yeah. Without, it's sort of, it's sort of almost second nature to them. If I may say, you know what it's like with you, don't you? <laughs> what is it that you can't do? Uh, nothing. Nothing. You can do anything, can't you? 
because that's the way you are. But we have an ongoing joke in the office, <laughs> don't we? Like, I, I say to Spence, when I'm retired from this game, I'm going to be a barrister. And he's looking at me as in display because I'd love to stand in a courtroom and and, and be a prosecutor already, you know, in, yeah. on the defence. And the next day I'll come in and say, when I retire from this game, I, I'm going to I'm going to climb a mountain. I'm going to do Everest because any because I believe I can do any anything. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of a weird personality that's probably going to get me in danger at some point. Well, yeah. Well, so I was looking at I was looking at this autotelic personality thing, and they were sort of breaking it down to because it's not just autotelic people that can get in the flow zone. Anybody can get in the flow zone, but it's understanding what components of the autotelic personality can they can go right. Actually, I can work on that. And I can work on this and I can work on that. And that will allow me to get into this flow zone a little bit easier. So they were talking about things that are unique, not necessarily unique to the autotelic personality, but sort of areas. So like curiosity. Yeah. So curiosity. If you start thinking about most people at some stage in their lives are curious about something. Uh, and then for, for whatever reason, whether it's a message received or, or experience, they'll sort of lose that curiosity a bit. As in, oh, I'm quite interested in that, but I'm not going to do it because I can't do it. So I won't bother looking at that. Uh, persistence. Yeah. Persistence, it's a case of, okay, then when we start talking about coming out of comfort zones, yes, at first, some people find it very um, um, sort of uncomfortable because obviously it's outside a comfort zone. Um, but the thing is, the more you persevere, the more persistence you display, you get past that fear and you start going into growth and yeah. you start realizing, well, you know what? <laughs> this isn't that hard. Which ties in perfectly to when we talk about the power of repetition and Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule, yeah. right? The more you do something through repetition, the more you strengthen that neural pathway in the brain, mm. which means you can do it more effectively, more comfortably, and that's when you enter a state of flow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. A low self-centeredness. Now, this is basically somebody sort of saying, you know what, I'm just focusing on this. This yeah. was what need Because the other thing they're talking about is the desire for performing activities for intrinsic reasons only. So people are actually focused on doing the job rather than, well, what, have I get, what will I get if I do this? Yeah. Rather than focused on the reward or possibly even the threat. Yes. Rather, it's just nothing. It's sort of pushing that to one side. I need to do this and I need to do this properly, so I need to focus. So it's intrinsic. There's nothing else around. They're not talking about what it could cause or what anything like that. It's a case of I'm focusing on this. Yeah, love it. And 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 um, and I guess those personalities you're talking about, the people who who, who get in the state of flow more often than some others, or those who don't. It's it's then we, as we know in psychology, it's driven even deeper from what's ingrained in their DNA uh, and their unconscious motivators yeah. that make them the, those traits more uh, you know apparent in those people. But mm. it doesn't mean to say that every human human being on the planet can't push themselves consciously yeah. to understand the state of flow theory, yeah. and that actually. The, the the incubator for growth, if you're not there yet, the incubator for growth is putting yourself in those positions and situations which where the challenge is high, it slightly outstretches your current capability. It pushes you outside your comfort zone mm. a touch. Yeah. But the more you sit in there through repetition, the more that will strengthen the neural pathways that create autopilots in our brain, which then will get you in a state of flow. And when we are in a state of flow, we perform our peak. Yeah. Don't don't become become comfortable in your ugly zone. Yes. That yeah. we talk about the ugly zone all the time. Certainly. For anybody who has to give a presentation to a small group of people in the office on a Friday morning, right? 
for some people it's terrifying or they 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 have that ne- those nerves and that fight or flight but if you do that every friday for 6 months it soon gets easier yeah. and you get better at mm-hmm. it yeah and this is where you enter the state <clears throat> of flow from the state of arousal and when you start pe- when people start catastrophizing these things they overthink it and they overplay it in the mind maybe I, I know I keep saying it. I know it's a favourite that I keep going back to, but it's a, basically it's a skill versus challenge thing. Uh, some, I don't care what your academic uh, experiences and qualifications and capabilities are. Uh, I don't care what your vocation is or anything like that. At some stage every in their lives, every single person who's listening to this podcast, every single person had to be shown how to use a spoon. Yeah. It's your favourite saying that, isn't it? It is. I, I, just, I think it breaks everything down. When people start overthinking things, you need to bring it down to the simple things. You know what? One day, a long time ago, I learned how to use a spoon. Is this that much harder? But this is, And this is the thing. Through childhood, I've got two minutes left, Spencer. So I'm right. going to try and round it up. Yeah. In childhood, we're constantly being in that arousal zone because everything we do is stretching us to the point where we're facing challenges that we don't yet have the experience or skills to achieve. Yeah. Look at the rapid rate of growth between one years old and 21 years old. Yeah. The evolution of what we're able to do that we couldn't do in that short span is arguably the most progressive we will ever be in our lives. Certainly. Why? Because we are constantly dealing with situations where we don't have the skills and experience to match the challenge. Yet then we become an adult and we start finding careers and we start living our lives completely in the comfort zone where we avoid the situations, the challenging situations that we don't tend to have the skills just yet. And we wonder why we're we're sort of sailing nowhere, if you like. We're drifting, right? So boredom and apathy... Uh, will always be more detrimental to somebody's growth than uh, slight, being slightly anxious stroke in that state of arousal where the challenge exceeds your skill set. Yeah. But if you can put yourself, and it's not all the time, if you can put yourself there as much as you can in your careers, in your lives, you will start developing new neural pathways which will put you in what we call the state of flow or what Mihai Csikszentmihalyi calls the state of flow. And with 30 seconds left, I think we'll do a follow-on to this, Spence, because it's a fascinating topic. But have a think about that um, and start uh, looking at the activities and tasks where you can stretch yourself within within the boundaries, you know, of tolerance. And um, you watch what happens in terms of your productivity and your capabilities. Spencer Locker. We'll be back with another one on this because I think it's important. Cheers, Martin. Thanks very much, mate. And we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast. (laughs) 